0: Hey, this is James Kotak of the Scorpions and you're listening to Focus on Metal with Scott and Richie.
1: Hey Metalheads, it's Scott and Richie, welcoming you to another great week of Focus on Metal. Have a killer show for you this week, thanks to a bit of email magic from uh, my partner here. And uh, we have got the one and only James Kotak
2: on. Yep, great guy. Yeah, Great guy to talk to. Um, Just a funny guy to talk to. You know, not one of these guys that like the standard answers and all that, you know. We have a bit of chemistry. We've, you know, we've talked to him before about something, and although you haven't heard about it yet, we haven't, <laughs> yeah, and um, and you know, we're talking to him again about the the brand new Scorpions album that's out, and uh, he was actually over rehearsing, yeah, when we spoke to him, and uh, the show, from all accounts, and what he's talking about is looking absolutely killer. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's uh, we had a great talk with him. So I think everyone will enjoy that. Lots of good info from him. If you're wondering about what's going on with the tour and what they're going to do and all that, so. Hopefully, a lot of your answers will come uh, from Mr. Kotak. So, uh, yeah, so great interview coming up. And I should also uh, just let you know that um, if you haven't had enough of me on this show, uh, I was the guest last week on the uh, episode 103 of the Mars Attack show. Um, My good friend Victor invited me on to do one of his Decade series, which is a really killer concept that he has of going through in 10-year jumps and going through albums for those 10 years, and he's had a bunch of great guests on doing it, and I was honored that he asked me to do a decades episode, so uh, if you go to uh, MarsAttacksRadio.com, you can check that out. Like I said, episode 103, and uh, big thanks to Victor as well for having me on. It was a great fun doing it. I always enjoy doing a show with Victor.
2: Yeah, well, the concept's fantastic. You pick yeah. an album from each decade, and you talk about what it meant to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really the first cool.
1: one he did was with, uh, with Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, and just... Uh, you know, having that initial one so fully formed Mm. and right out of the gate. And so when he asked me, I was like, I don't think I can come close to what you guys did on that first episode. It was just really so well done. You know, in the end, I think it came off pretty good. We had a good time doing it. And um, yeah, like I said, definitely always a great time talking to Victor. And he's got just some really great shows he's putting out where he's done a couple of different concepts that he's deciding to do this year. And then he just kind of rotates them through. And um, so, yeah, just if you haven't checked out Mars Attacks, then uh, definitely do that. It's also carried on
2: the Talking Metal Digital stations yeah, well, as well. He's, he's Victor's asked me to do one and I've agreed to do it. It's yeah. just, I have to schedule it with him, but I better be quick because I have no <laughs> <who> albums left. That's <laughs> the way all you guys are. Are you going to pick the ones I want to talk about? But then again, I normally go off the beaten well, track why, a little that's bit That's why too.
1: He, you know, he asked about if you were interested because he felt that definitely... You know you would pick some of the other albums that nobody else has picked. I mean, I know there's a couple in there that I even said, "Oh that Richie will pick that album yeah. like, oh. and
2: okay, just knowing some <laughs> of the stuff that, that
1: you that you like um and also is not really as popular in the states, but uh you know back in Ireland is like well of course that band is huge, kind of a thing yeah. and uh so that's part of the thing is it, it's the same thing with having you on this show it's it gives a different perspective if it was just me and my North American perspective,
2: it just wouldn't be as good a show. Yeah, well, it'd be probably be a little bit boring. Although some people might listen to it and think it's boring anyway. But then again, <laughs> that's, there, that's up to them. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's... You get, you know, we all love metal, but yeah. we all have different facets of it. And right. We all love the same bands, but we all love different albums from the same bands more. Right. And it, it's just all, you know, right. everyone has different opinions and I'm going to pick my albums and yep. Victor's going to tell me they've already been picked. And I'll go, oh, God damn it. That was a short conversation.
1: No, you. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that you're going to pick some different albums. I know for sure there's at least one or two. I was like, oh, he's going to pick those. Okay. I just know it. I just know he'll pick those all albums. Right.
2: Okay. Well then, I love to yeah. it. I'm looking forward to doing it. It's just scheduling now. I've got things going on yeah. personally. So yeah. You know, it's getting getting the time to do it. And he's in Barcelona. Yep. So you know, that's the time difference which I'm very well aware of. Right. But so. he's pretty
1: good. I mean he's he's always been good about trying to schedule
2: and uh he's, you know, if
1: it's a it's a, a one off hit that he's gotta stay up late to do it. Um now that his little one's a little bit older, it's easier for him to do it. You yeah, well, maybe a it's, years it's quieter for him to do it. Well, there it. is that, yeah. Easier equals quieter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, cool. yeah, that, I looking forward to doing that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so let's get a little bit of discussion in sure. while, while, I'm, while we're here. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about, a bit about Joe Elliott from Def Leppard. Okay. Okay, now. He didn't look very happy with his appearance on top, on the, that metal show. I didn't see it. Oh, okay. W- which which one? The one where he did the top 5 or Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, he was suddenly on. What was it on for? A minute and a half.
1: Yeah, he just maybe it was because maybe he did literally like just fly in. Yeah. I I don't know, but he just he he uh I don't. know, He just kind of looked a little bit off. Like maybe well, he was tired or whatever. He just didn't have his usual happy self. Well, they didn't pick him out the
2: Hoople as number one. No, they didn't. So that's the, <laughs> he's not happy because they're, they're. I think they're his favorite band of all time. I think so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's anyone out there knows that. Uh, Leopard have uh they've gone from not recording an album to maybe recording an EP mm-hmm. to now recording a full record and it's done. Yeah. Okay. Now they're playing shows in Canada, and then they're they're playing a tour. Uh, in the States with uh, Styx and Tesla uh, later on in the summer.
1: Yeah, that's now, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Now, the plan was for them to bring out the record before the tour. And they own their music now. And they're shopping for labels. Right. And they said now that the album's not going to come out till after the tour. Mm. Because they're getting a lot more interest from labels than they thought they would. Huh. Right. Which is fine which is great I'm very happy I'm I'm looking forward to hearing the new stuff I'm a huge Def Leppard fan I always have been they're probably the band I've seen the most ever I've seen them like nine or ten times and um, Joe Elliott was asked were they going to play any of the new material in the live set and he said absolutely not that he doesn't want crappy sound quality YouTube clips going up Mm. with, with the new songs right Yeah, and I understand where he's coming from, but I'm going to look at it another way now, okay? Years ago when a band brought out a record, right? A brand new record, right? The single was released to radio. Yeah. And then the radio had played a single, right? So that's how people heard it, right? Yep. Not happening anymore. No. Right. So Def Lever will bring out a new song now. Who's going to play it? Eddie Trunk? Probably some, maybe a couple of rock stations might have it on light rotation.
1: You know, it'll depend on... If they get picked up by a bigger label that's gonna that's gonna push it to clear Channel, then it's gonna get played on a whole crap load of stations maybe they still have a they still have a name cache um across a pretty wide audience and yeah if 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 they have if they get picked up by a big label that's able to to push it, which is you know these labels that go well you're going to play this if you want to be able to play this kind of a stuff.
2: And they can do that. If yeah, you go back to the last record songs from the Sparkle Lounge, yeah. right? that was, I think it's 2008, 2009. Um, I was in Ireland at the time. Now, how much radio play did that get over here? No, none. Yeah, see? So my next point then would be, right, they're playing sheds, right? Yeah. They're playing anything between 12 and 20,000 people a night, right? Yeah. If he's on about the YouTube quality crap stuff, I get it. I've done it myself. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, he sounds terrible singing. He can't sing anymore. The guitar sounds terrible. And it's it's recorded on someone's iPhone. I get all that, right? Right. Um, Why don't they release a single before the tour and then play the single in front of 20,000 people? And that'll get more ears to hear it. But if
1: they're still waiting for a deal, then they're probably saying, well, we, we can't release anything. Because once you do... Now you start complicating the deal.
2: Yeah, but I'm just trying to figure how are they going to get people to hear the record. To me, that's the ideal solution is bring out the single, play the the one new track at the show. Yeah. Right. You've 20,000 odd people who've never heard it. Put it in first song, second song, get it over early, then play all the hits. And then people might go, wow, that new song sounds really good. I'll go buy the album. Mm -hmm. But if they don't play any of it, what's going to happen is they're going to do all the tour then the album's going to come out. If it doesn't get promoted on the radio properly, it's going to get buried and it's done. I'm just trying to figure yeah. out how the band are going to get ears to listen to the music. And to me, that's the scenario now to get well, to get it out there.
1: I mean, you look at it a different way. Um, maybe they don't care. I can't see that. You know, maybe the end game for this is just that they're going to put out new stuff. Because there's a lot of the, lots of other bands we talk to too that say, yeah, it's not really... We put out an album just because we can put out an album, but we don't expect that old mentality anymore. We just, we know we're going to make our money touring
2: and the album is just kind of gravy. Yeah, right? I know, but I can't see like the likes of when Def Lever, like they record in Joe's house in, in Dublin, yeah. in Docky, right? And uh, like they all have to fly over. They're all living over here, I think, except for Joe. So they all got to go over, you know, away from their families, put, invest all this time, record the album and everything. I'm mm-hmm. not going to... I don't think they're all going to do that and go, yeah, sure, doesn't mean anything. It must mean something for them to do it in the first place.
1: It was a really nice interview that... Uh that I think Mitch LaFond did. Actually, it was Talking Metal episode number 516 that Mark Striegel did. I was thinking it was also with Mitch, but he did have Mitch on the show. But Mark did the interview with uh, with Rick Allen on that one. And you can find that over at Talking Metal Digital. Rick Allen was talking about the fact that they're they're all really good friends. Mm. Um, and, you know, so part of that is is the band. It's the band bonding. It's the getting together. It's It's the, you know, bouncing ideas off each other. That's still an important part of of being a band. Mm. You know, that's when you see a band go south is when the members, you know, you get one guy comes in and goes, here's my song, and they all go, okay. And they just, you know what I mean? There's not any kind of... So there's there's that kind of important social aspect of a band that just even that part of it helps to continue the band.
2: Yeah, it just, for me, it's... They're not going to play any of it on the tour and then they're going to bring it out in the fall or in the winter, okay? And then by the time they, t- obviously they're going to tour with, in some sort of package because they do it every year. And then they'll tour in the summer and the album will be out six months mm-hmm. and they won't be actually promoting the album. They'll be promoting a tour with some other band. It's kind of an odd time for them to bring it out in between tours rather yeah. than, I, I call me an old fuddy duddy or, you know, I'm setting my ways. But it was like album, album the tour promoted the album and you're like they have the album in the works and they're not going to play any of it live and then they might play next summer and because the album's out so long and they'll say oh it didn't do that well they won't play any of it live and then you'll never hear any of it live and it's like just as me for a fan of the band I'm like I'd like to hear some of it live I don't think it's going to get the opportunity that it should if it's if it's good now, if, yeah, you know, it's Def Leopard. Everyone has their opinions on them. They might say, "Oh, they've made a decent album since Pyromania, whatever." But I, I like bands to play stuff live, and I think the way this is lining up, it's not going to happen. Well, I mean, and the other part of it too,
1: right? Is I mean, you've seen them, like you said, about nine times, right?
2: I've seen them here. and yeah. I've seen them in Ireland, and right. they're
1: different in Ireland. But than you've they are seen, here. but you've seen the the recent run of shows here. Yes, I have. Okay, which, w- with the exception of the Vegas residency, they are very mapped out. Oh, There's completely a lot of tech out. in there. So to put anything mm-hmm. else new in there also requires another whole investment of what are you picking? What are you going to put? Be- you know what I mean? So it isn't just like it was back in, you know, the days of high and dry of going, mm-hmm. oh, we got another new song. Let's throw it in there because there, there wasn't all this other technology. There wasn't all these timed lights and video and all that so I think there's that whole other aspect of it too is what else, what investment do we put to retool our show yeah. because for year to year there's not you only see kind of retooling of a few things but otherwise a lot of it stays pretty similar I mean not as bad as Kiss which stays pretty much 100% similar <laughs> um, when you want to talk about a band that puts out an album and doesn't play anything off of it yep <laughs> But they're promoting the album. Yes, they are. I was there. <laughs> okay. So I think that's even worse, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> Promote an album and don't play anything off of it. Um, but I think that's that part of it, too, is that they are, they, they spent a fortune on their show. So how much does that cost to do all that? Because it's not like they're doing it all at home on Final Cut Pro and stuff. they're They're hiring a lot of high-priced talent to put a lot of those elements together for them. That's, that's kind of a, a big decision, too.
2: wonder now like you know there's a lot of music coming out you know and it's very hard to get people to hear it because there's so many there's a a huge volume of it and there's so many different ways you can get it sure right i wonder how frustrating is it now for bands to invest all the time to make a record and it's met with just complete indifference it must be so frustrating for them and you know like they'll play it live and they can see all the people leaving to go to the bathroom or to get a beer and everything uh-huh. and it's, it must be completely demoralizing to them i know they're professionals and and everything else but they're also human beings you know well
1: i think i think it kind of runs the gamut right you've got people that are uh that have been around for a long time like our guest this week they continue to put out new stuff and uh you know they they remember the time of you know Huge arenas, huge record sales, everybody, you know, hinging on every word that Klaus said, and, mm-hmm. you know, nobody leaves, and it's just insane and stuff. And to go from that to, uh, you know, not the huge sales, they're still putting out good albums, they're still putting on good shows. And you're right, you are, you are going to have some of the audience that the only show they will go to see this year will be that Scorpion show. Mm-hmm. They will be unaware that there's a new album out. They might even be unaware that Sting in the Tail came out. You know what I mean? And they will be indifferent about a lot of the new stuff. I think then you also have other people, because of the band we're talking about, who do. It is a, oh, new Scorpions album? I shall buy it. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anything off of it. I probably won't on any, of, any radio or whatever, but I'm going to go buy it. Um, and so for them, I think it, it's... It's a matter of kind of working through the, the the realization and the acceptance. And a lot of folks that we talk to that are in that situation, they're all pretty straightforward about it. Like, yeah. yeah, They know where it's at. I think if anything, to me anyways, it's probably harder for these bands that come up that think that they look at the level these bands were at and think we can attain that.
2: Oh, that's a pipe dream. You know what I mean? It's a pipe dream.
1: But when you're in there and when, when it's your dream and you're doing it, I mean, you've got this focus to do it and, you know, they're out there and they're touring and they're touring and, you know, in a lot of cases people don't even know that they have anything out. You know, oh, that's the album? Oh, I only know a song. I bought three songs off iTunes or whatever else. Mm. I think probably that's the people that um, have the harder time with it.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's, I think it's just how do you get people to listen to you. Right. It's the problem. Right. Um, and I think
1: that's why people listen to podcasts.
2: I think that's why a lot of
1: artists like to come on and and talk because unlike going to a radio station and, t- and talking to, you know our friends up in Manchester that we just love so much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for serving. Um yeah. you know they know that most of the people that are listening, they don't even want to hear the interview. They don't care. Most of the time, the DJs, the on-air talent they're talking to, they haven't listened to the interview. They haven't read the book. Mm. You know what I mean? They they only know the songs that were the hits 20 years ago. They're not even following the band. Occasionally, yeah, you get like guys like Eddie Trunk who live and breathe this stuff all the time. And, and that's why Eddie gets people on for like an hour instead of 20 minutes, right? Yeah, but I think... But they so they talk to us because, again, I mean, how many artists come away and your knowledge of what of their career is sometimes better than their knowledge of their career? And they love that. They love that they're talking to somebody that's knowledgeable, that brings stuff up that they can and so they know that the people that listen to the show, they listen because either they're the same as us. Or they they want to know all this stuff that they really can't get anywhere else told to them by people that appreciate it.
2: Yeah, it's like, I've often w- wanted to ask some more of the guests on the show about that, about their experiences going to radio stations at the height of their fame. We're yeah. talking like 80s, maybe the 90s. Yeah. And they just sit down, and within 30 seconds, they know that whoever's asking them the question hasn't a clue right. about anything. And you, re- and some that.
1: of the books that you read, I mean, they some people explicitly talk about the fact of, like, it's
2: ridiculous. You yeah, know? So that boggles my mind sometimes, because if you're on commercial radio, right? Yeah. Like I have no radio experience at all, yeah. right? But all these people on commercial radio—you hear all these commercials for broadcasting school, uh-huh. and you know you have to be able to talk a certain way, and you can't swear, and you know you're trained and everything. Yeah. And yet they think that they can sit down and just say you're the artist, yeah. And I'm going to talk to you, and you're not going to know that I know nothing about you. It's right. like it's a complete bullshit Correct. session. Well,
1: you know, when I was doing radio. The guys that were on air, I mean, we knew we knew the artist, you know, because you were you programmed your show. Yeah. Yeah. You had this you had that kind of rotation of, yeah, play. We need you to play something out of this bin, this bin and this, you know, there was kind of high, medium, low and, and that type of stuff. But otherwise, either you were bringing in your own albums and it was albums. Or you were, you know, you go through the stacks, the, the record library, and you'd be you'd be pulling albums out. You'd be programming your show. Yeah, uh, you had to know what was on albums. You had to know what you were going for. Now they don't do that. It, it's all for one. It isn't coming off albums. No, it's the, coming off of MP3s yeah. on the computer. Yeah, and it, it's essentially pre-programmed at some main office. And so they don't even. They're not really even interacting with it in most cases if you probably went in they're not even listening to it Mm. you know what i mean it just comes up oh yeah we got to talk now okay let's put the mic on i think it was when i was talking to joe perry and he talked about going to sirius and there's nobody there all computers yeah there's nobody there Mm. you know and so that's where it's it's turned into is that it's turned into talking heads it's not really that because people used to listen to certain djs because they knew that guy knew like this stuff you know what i mean and uh or or they knew so much or they had an ear, they were you know almost like a producer in a sense, they knew what band had potential, that type of thing. you know, you know here in Boston, we had Mark Parento, who was a legendary radio guy here, and uh you know at one point in the time, in some of the books you read, you might hear him mentioned and and a lot of times you hear him mentioned when he was back in on radio in Detroit, which was also a big u s market at the time, and for a lot of bands, if you didn't pass. Parento's muster in Detroit, you were kind of screwed Mm. because he was a guy kind of like JJ Jackson who went on to MTV Fiend, But at one one time, he was you know a big radio personality. The same thing; he was a guy with great ears who could look at a band who might not even be big yet, but go, they have something. And people would listen to those people because they they respected their opinion and they were right. Now you listen to our friends in Manchester. And each one of them has this very narrow band of, like, kind of what they listen to. And that's about it. And it's it's extremely defined. So when you hear them talk to new artists and stuff, it's very clear. They've never listened to them. They don't know what they do.
2: Yeah, but Nothing. Do, you, do you know why a lot of those artists are probably talking to that radio station? Is they sponsor their shows. Yes. So they yeah. have to talk to them. Yeah. And it's you know, they come on the show and it's like, so tell me about recording that song in 1989 and they've had 14 albums since and they're like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> not again. Yeah. You know, and but they have to do it right. and I know bands have to do these things now but, I've just curious. I've often been curious about stuff like that. Yeah. Because we had Jimmy DeGrasso on it was Like, this is
0: the best record we've ever done. I couldn't be happier. The record company's really doing a great job promoting it. Our producer's great. All right.
2: Anything else? <laughs> no, good night, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy knew, he was yeah. messing with us because yeah. he knew damn well we weren't going to go down there. Right. And same at Red Beach. Yeah. We asked Reb about the mob and we asked him about everything. We didn't just go, oh, Beavis and Butt Head and, you know, One of the things I will, you know, we've ragged on Eddie Trunk a bit. Yeah. Right. One of the things I really do admire, I admire the guy tremendously because he does a live show, Yeah, right, and he talks on it a lot. Now, a lot of people... I give out to him because he doesn't play enough music, right? But sure. he does a live show, right? And now, now when you have all these stations run by computers, there's right. even right. all the voice bits in between are all pre-recorded right. and they're all on loops and everything. Right. He'll have a live show, right. and I, it, well, it stands that's what out like to me. About Eddie. Exactly. exactly, is,
1: is, is oh, I can I can hear all the music. I, I've got all the music, right? Mm. But it's the fact that his guests respect him. They open up, yeah, kind of like you know with james shooting the crap with us today exactly you know it's it's almost like we've known each other for 15 years or something you know Mm. what i mean and you get that on eddie's show and that's what's that is what's great about it is these people kick back they relax they joke around you just you don't get that anywhere and i don't mind if he doesn't play a lot of music big deal you know
2: what i mean that's the other thing that always um that i I, i've you know i always found odd is that I'm an album guy. Yeah. Right. I like to put on an album and listen to all of it. Yeah. Right. I don't like to listen to a, a four or five tracks from all different bands, one after the other. I'm not programmed that way. Yeah. Um, you know, and people give out saying he's not playing enough music. And I'm thinking, well, you can, you've, you've all these ways of programming your music at home. Yeah. He's offering something different. Yeah. And it's kind of unique now, and you should just appreciate that aspect of him. Yeah. Like, and if you don't, you can always just turn it off. You don't have to go and bitch about the guy, right? You know, you go home on your own <laughs> computer and press shuffle. There's your own. You know, right. there yes. you go. Exactly. That's what you want. Yeah. Um. Which is why I like Eddie. Now, I don't know what the serious shows are like. Um. They're probably pre-recorded, and there's probably a lot of other rock shows in the states that I've never heard of that might be live as well. And if they're doing it live. Great! Right. I know there's some podcasts that do live shows, mm. which is again, it's a fantastic avenue for for bands. And you know, I yeah, like, I, I give anyone that does a live podcast, I'll tell you, I give them two thumbs up. We should do show. Oh we? hell! Because I think I'm not radio trained. Uh huh. <laughs> a couple of times you've looked at me and gone, "I can't believe you're asking that question," <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the worst thing you can do is just click yeah you know so, well, and what's the worst thing that can happen and then you know that we can put it out there and then we get a yeah. bit more headlines and yeah, some maybe. guy hangs up on focus on metal or something you know yeah i mean of, of the two of
1: us the only one that's ever really stepped on his tongue is me when i asked ralph about the judas priest question and that was the only time i had we ever had a guest be like god damn it like, whoop. well no actually
2: actually i had one more recently and he edited it out of the interview. I did yeah, oh, okay. I, was, I was hoping to see what he'd leave it in, and you didn't. He kind of said, Oh, you must have seen me on an off night. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah,
1: he yeah, he was, that he, night. yeah, he wasn't very happy with that line <laughs> of questioning. <laughs> but that's it got better uh, too. that,
2: yeah, it got better after that, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we, we started off with deaf Lever, and look where we ended up. Wow, (laughs) this is old school. Focus on metal. Yeah, I like it.
1: All right. Well, you know what? I think we've taken so much time here. Uh, Rather than do track of the week, I think we'll just get right back to uh, talking with James. Yeah, awesome. So before we go into James Kotak, why don't we just hear a little bit off of the latest album from the Scorpions called "Return to Forever," and this is the first track. James refers to it in the interview. It's called "Going Out with a Bang."
2: Hey, James, how are you?
0: Good, how are you doing, man?
2: Good, so you're in Germany, are you?
0: Yeah, I'm actually uh, at Rudolph's, where Rudolph's right now, me and the bass player and the producers rehearsing and doing some things.
2: How's that going?
0: I mean, you know, it's rehearsal, it's never that exciting, but <laughs> we got to do it. We're doing pre production for all the new songs, for the, you know, we're putting together a full new set list and all that, you know.
2: Excellent, Is it going to be, I'm sure it's going to be a long one
0: oh yeah
2: excellent well i have to say before we get into the interview it's the first time i'm actually going to see you guys play live Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been living in Ireland. You never played there, so I never had the opportunity. So the minute the ticket went on sale for, I think it's the first date of the tour in America, is in Boston. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got one. I'm going.
0: <laughs> well, listen, I mean, you, I, you, I would have put you on the list, and if you want to bring a guest, I can do that when the time comes. So.
2: Jeez, I'd love that, James. That'd be fantastic. Right on. i got he can, Scott here with me again, You He can, he can tell my sorry after the show. Man,
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude. Scott, how you doing? How we doing, man? Good, man. Good to talk to you guys again. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I was, I was psyched when Richie said uh, that uh, we were gonna have you come back on and and talk to us. Obviously, uh, you know, a a good time for it too, with this uh, 50th anniversary album just coming out.
0: Uh, Dude, you know, it's uh, 50th anniversary. Who knew? You know, and uh, just a few short years ago, it was a farewell tour. But man, things, there's so much demand, and uh, rock is just doing great. I mean, look at, I mean, Kiss is huge. They're bigger now than ever. So it's a good time to uh, continue.
1: Yeah, because the album got delayed, as you probably know. So I've only had about like 24 hours to live with the album since it showed up. And uh, it's it's, uh, maybe a little bit mellower than I expected, but I like the fact that there's a lot of lyrical content that refers Mm -hmm. back to Scorpion's history. And if you really listen to the words, I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, you know what? I like that a whole lot. And also there's, you know, little hints like we're going out with a bang and, Mm -hmm. you know, the uh, the rock is rolling home and and things like that. It just, it's kind of like, you know, putting everything in perspective, sort of, I think. Klaus is very, you know, Klaus is the emotional one in the band. Rudolph is the engine, and I'm insane, and the usual stuff. But Klaus writes great lyrics that everybody can relate to.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was, And it was funny. I'm, I'm listening to it, and I so I put it on yesterday morning, and, and I'm driving, and, and I hit track three, and I haven't even looked at the track list. I just popped it in the CD, box, right. threw it on the car seat, and you go into the chorus, And when he first starts singing that, you know, rock, rock, rock my car. Well, the first (laughs) time he says it, it sounds like he's saying rock, rock, rock my cock. And I was like. (laughs)
0: What? Like, <laughs> he's finally writing lyrics again for these guys? Like, what's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember uh, uh, he, uh, uh, Herman had a song he was called Rubber yeah. <laughs> Like What was that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, it was really weird. It's like every time the chorus comes up, the first time he says it, it sounds like like he's saying cock instead of car. next <laughs> That's time funny. It, it's like, oh, wait a minute. He says car. All right. <laughs>
0: That's funny. Well, you know, this album was intended to be, we started on this like three years, two, three years ago, it was meant to be an outtakes album, which are, you know, like songs that didn't make it from Crazy World, or this album, or that album, and they went through all the tracks, and there's there's bits and pieces on the new album from those, but basically, you know, the producers, Martin and Michael, got a hold of the stuff, and then, you know, the, uh, Rudolph rehashed some things, and then Klaus got... And next thing you know, it's like an all-brand-new album, basically.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. because sometimes, James, like, you hear all these bands saying, oh, yeah, they're, they're going to go back, and they're, they're going to go through the vaults and get all these unreleased tracks. Sometimes you hear these... When you actually hear the tracks, you think, well, they're actually unreleased for a good reason, <laughs> you know?
0: Well, you know, that's my comment. I'm like, oh, well, there's a reason those tracks were unreleased, or they didn't make the album, or they were on the, the, the Japanese bonus track. There's a reason, because they didn't stand up to the other tracks like No One Like You and Rocky Like a Hurricane. Yeah. And I agree with you there. I think Molly Crew put out uh, an Outtakes record. And I think it's kind of a funny thing. Like, it's almost like uh, walking around naked in front of your fans. And, you know, the Beatles did it. And that was one thing, because they're the Beatles, but, you know, I think a lot of bands should not do that, to tell you the truth.
2: And then you hear the stories where oh, the band goes in with 20 songs and the producer says, no, none of them are any good, go back out and write more.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude, I've, I've been through that before, about they Wild Horses okay. in the 90s. God dang it, man. <laughs> wow. Who was the producer? Oh, that was uh, Keith Olsen. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, we know Keith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a small world here, man. <laughs>
1: Overall, though, I think, like I said, lyrically, it was really cool, like you had referenced, too, with things like, you know, Eye of the Storm and stuff. If, you're, if you really take the time to listen to the lyrics, it, there's there's a lot going on there. And, and even just some of the other ones where it isn't so blatant, but, you know, one of the tracks he throws in, the, you know, the phrase Big City Nights in there and stuff. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very lyrically, very cool.
0: And he always goes in rock and roll forever somewhere somehow, and yeah, then, you know yeah. uh, that always makes me feel good.
1: The yeah, other thing too, on there wasn't really a lot of soloing on here either. It was more just your basic, you know, verse, chorus, verse, bridge type of thing. That wasn't too many songs that had that really classic Scorpions, you know, guitar breaks. I think except for um, what well, I think the scratch has, like that really long. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. You know, I, I don't really have an answer for that other than I know, you know, producers are all about street, making it streamlined and taking it down to where it should be and and like kind of getting back to like the structure of no one like you yeah there's great guitar solos on it or, or but you're right but the song the structure is very simple and that's i think what they were trying to go for yeah the question
2: about the producers now correct me if i'm wrong james this is the first record since uh, crazy world that you've used the same producer twice oh yeah well actually
0: the, the, yeah they did uh sting the tail come black uh the MTV plug and now this.
2: Yeah, but I'm, a full studio record. I'm talking about not. A, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you, you it, it was Keith for Crazy World, and then Fairburn
0: for Basement
2: Child, and you had all these different producers for all the albums. This is the first one with the same guy on it. Any any particular reason why it just worked the last time? It was great.
0: It, yeah, you know what, Sting in the Tail worked. It, it was. I, I don't want to say it was effortless because I wasn't there for a lot of the recording because uh, I'm not going to sit around with they doing guitar after guitar after guitar but these guys have a way of doing things where it's painless they, they take a lot of time and spend a lot of days and just they know they've figured out a way to get the heart to the heart of Rudolf Klaus Matthias and the band and, and just they know how to streamline it I guess that's the word and it, it works, it's efficient, and that's, that's the reason you go back to a sec, another producer. And, and also, there's a pattern in the, in the older days, like, uh, I don't want to say older days, but in previous days, uh, that, you know, you do an album with a big producer, then you want to go try to top it and do it with another big producer. Mm-hmm. So, go figure.
2: Yeah, i just ask you a question now. A couple of years ago, of course, you announced the, uh, the Farewell Tour. Did, did you, was it gradually over time that like one of, one of the guys had doubts or two of the guys had doubts or you all got together in a meeting and voiced your opinion or how, how did that all take place? Well, you
0: know, it's funny that for 2010 and 2011, we were all going along here and you know, we'd up, we'd get out to dinner and go, wow, man, you know, the end's coming. And and honestly, we all believe, you know, I I formed a side project, I had Project Rock up and running. We went and did two tours in between. Uh, I was doing a King and Come reunion, which I mean, all the original five we got together in LA last year this time and things were rolling. And then, and then the next year it was just kind of like, Oh, well, you know, things are like really going really good. And then it just offer after offer after offer from all over the planet kept coming in and the demand kept growing. And then everybody's like, Oh, well, you know what? Maybe we should rethink this, you know? And it was just a gradual step. And, uh, you know, and, and honestly a big part of this was our manager's idea, uh, you know, in the very he goes, you know, you should think about, you know, calling it a day, Farewell. And because the, the plan was to do Farewell and then go do a Scorpion musical. <laughs>
2: do you remember what we were, do you remember
0: that at project? The Luton, at the Luton Palace, we were yes. talking about a rock musical based on the life of Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Right. Saucy Jack. Saucy Jack. Saucy now is Jack. The time to do You're that. You're a naughty one. Saucy, Saucy Jack. Jack. You're a haughty one. Saucy Jack. With right. all the songs like they do in, on Broadway. Yeah. That was kind of like the okay, we'll wrap it right up in the sunset, and uh, so that didn't happen, and so here we are.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I think. One of the things as well i got to say is that Klaus still sounds great for a guy that's in his mid-60s. He still sounds fantastic.
0: He's phenomenal. Dude, I don't know if you've heard the MTV Unplugged. It is the Klaus show. He's the, I, 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 I don't know how he does it. He's the best singer. It's one thing to sing rock and stuff. You can, you can get away with stuff. But man, on this that MTV Unplugged, he just nailed it beyond belief.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's just an incredible singer stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it, I think a lot of people are
1: probably very excited. You guys, you know, kept on going. I know that you know we saw at one point, I think last year or two years ago, there was a little spot during uh, that metal show where uh, Rudolph and Klaus got on, and they were kind of a little bit vague about what was going on, but they did indicate, you know, hey, maybe we'll be doing something else. Maybe this won't be the end. So you know, it's good that this has kind of come around again, and it's it's great that you guys are still out there doing it and kind of carrying the flag for this kind of, you know, big, you know, large venue type of rock.
0: Man, dude, uh, again, if there wasn't demand, we wouldn't be doing it. Cause the whole thing about the farewell tour was like, oh, let's go out, you know, on top, big, because there's nothing worse than seeing a band go down lower and lower, and then you're playing in House of Blues, and then, you know, there's 200 people there. Not, not, not that I think that would ever happen with Scorpions, but I've seen a lot of bands, and, and it's kind of sad. It's like, oh, dude, you got to know when to pull the plug.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And you guys, I mean, for tour-wise, too, I mean, you got some good venues you guys are playing. I mean, obviously, the Boston one... I don't know if you ever played that venue at all, but it is an awesome venue to to do shows at. Is this the indoor one? No, this is the
0: outdoor one. Uh, yes. You know what? I think the last time we played in Boston was like some kind of theater situation, and I don't think I ever played that that amphitheater. Is it the amphitheater?
1: They change the name like every two years. Yeah, of course. It's the, it always ends up being the pavilion, but it's it's right out on the water.
0: It's the one eight hundred dentist p- p- pavilion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's next year's one. You know
0: what, dude? I'll probably when I get there, I'll go. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, you know,
1: yeah. that happens a lot. It's an absolutely great venue, and, and uh, you know, everyone always has a great time. When you, so, you always have a really up crowd there right from the get go. It always makes for a, a great show for whoever plays.
0: That's cool. I- And I love Boston, man. It's one of my favorite cities in the all-time world. James, all the tours
2: you've done with the band, um, have the band ever sat down and said, right, we're going to actually play an album from start to finish? Because that seems to be the trend now.
0: Uh, You know what? That's been talked about. But that trend, most times when I read it, there's a lot of hardcore fans who are super thrilled about it. But then there's a lot of other fans. Like in our case, we have a lot of 25 and under fans. If there's 10,000 people there, half of them are under 25. Yeah. And, and quite honestly, I don't think they want to sit through the entire love drive album because they're fans of like from night from wind of change up till current, they want to hear the old stuff and they, a lot of them know it. And I'm, I think that's kind of cool. A good idea. My idea was to take like love drive and play like the entire album. I mentioned this to Rudolph a couple of different times and, just play, like let's do the love job album let's do the entire album in like 12 minutes
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know and then that way everybody goes man we played the whole album i know that sounded nutty but wouldn't that be fun that
2: would yeah. be awesome that definitely yeah. be a show you'd want to go see absolutely yeah
0: that's where everybody gets everything yeah
2: because mm-hmm. i know your, your shows are normally like well over two hours long so you could easily play an album like 40 minutes and then play
0: that's true but, you know, it, it's also a, a matter of, you know, Klaus has his way of singing. And the reason he's so good because he takes care of his, his voice. Yeah. And, you know, you have to really think about the stamina. And, uh, you know, we're not 25 anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I get what you mean, too, about trying to make it so it's good for the fans, too. Because one of the things that you always see if you go to, like, an Aerosmith show, and you definitely have a wide divide in the crowd. And, you know, there's, there's the people that got them during the MTV years and then you got you know people like me who were buying the original albums and you of can see the the boredom goes from one half of the crowd to the other as what they play so if they did you know a whole album like from the later years you alienate you know all of a sudden it's a 45 minute bathroom trip for half the audience so.
0: exactly and you can you know that that's and also I hate to say this but people's attention spans are much shorter now than they were 20 years ago yeah or even like see Iron Maiden they can do that there are Maiden, but honestly, I read a lot of fans were really not happy with when they did that. Hmm. Um, yeah, they played the other stuff, but, it, you know, it's, I, uh, you know, I don't know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> then you got the other complete opposite, like we went to see Megadeth and it was a Super Collider tour and they played one track off the album. You know, you, you can You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you
0: don't. Exactly, and you know what? There's always going to be. You know what? We got this tour coming up in, in you know September, October, and we're playing uh, a handful. Like I think two or three Canadian dates. Of course, what do we? What do I get? Like on my tw- uh, Twitter, Facebook, going, man, you guys, you're a legend. You're playing, and you're playing over there. Why can't you play in Vancouver? It really makes me sick. And uh, you know, it's like you can't make everybody happy. That's
2: you know? true, true. Now, one of the dates you're playing, James, you're you're doing a show in England and as far as I know you haven't played in England for a long time
0: and get this good news our album it, it was the highest entry of any Scorpion album for, for the new album Return to Forever for any Scorpion album
2: oh excellent
0: I, I'm not sure of the number and I don't want to say it but I think it was something like 12
2: yeah or 18
0: I don't, I don't know what it was but Rudolph told me and because we were going over all the chart entries. Like in France, we were in top five. I couldn't believe it. It was we, it, amazing, you know? So
1: It was probably, it's the crown on the cover. See, the English fans saw the crown, and they were like, oh, we have to buy it. <laughs>
0: See? That's why you're in charge. That's funny. And don't, Yeah, don't think I won't be wearing a crown at some point. <laughs> Drum solo, here we go. <laughs>
1: oh man
2: yeah.
0: James is there any tracks
2: um, from the back catalogue that you haven't played in a long time that you say man I'd love to play this
0: dude you know you know that song I'm leaving you girl girl I'm leaving you I've got to go tonight it's to the point, and I've always liked it, I love to sing on it, and we never play it. I mean, I begged, to, so what did I do La- last tour since 2010? I put it in my drum solo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if the a song I want to play, I'm going to put it in the drum solo.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when we talked to Jimmy DeGrasso, and he's also the, the guy who, with Black Star Riders, is always pushing, oh, you guys are going to play this old Lizzie tune, and this old, he's the guy trying to play right. all this
2: stuff too, yeah.
0: Yeah, I like Jimmy
2: yeah, yeah he's, he's a great you know, guy scott, great drummer yeah he is and Scott's, scott scott Coram's always going i don't remember how to play that <laughs> and i don't remember how to play that.
0: And you know i haven't seen them but i heard they're really good
2: oh the new album's excellent yeah yeah they're really really good but jimmy was telling me that like they have the, they have the techs learn the songs so when scott says that the tech they bring the tech out and say here's how it goes scott <laughs> so he's no excuse <laughs> yeah.
0: That's you
1: know, funny. Last time we had Jimmy on, it was uh, Jimmy was doing his Scott imitation, and I was pretending I was Jimmy. So I'd bring up the song, and in, we just kept going back.
2: And forth, so. <laughs> yeah, he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy. That's funny. Yeah. So ask you a question, James, about an album that the Scorpions released in 1990, Eye to Eye record. Right now, a lot of the fans don't like it. Okay, for right, it's pretty obvious why. But as a drummer. That's a different re- kind of record for you to play on. What, what are your memories of making that? Was it challenging for you? Do you like it?
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, first of all, you know, the 90s, if you recall, were not really good for rock. Yeah. Uh, from the time Nirvana exploded, the next few years were, you know, a Mishmash and rock, hard rock, like our rock, was turned upside down. So if you notice, a lot of the bands like ourselves started experimenting. And when we went to do the eye to eye record, we thought, well, it's time we got to do something different, you know, and we got the producer, and, uh, I was never, from day one, I said, man, guys, this is the wrong guy. And I brought in a a couple guys, a former Ozzy producer, and said, no, you know, we went with this guy. And, but, you know, as we got into the studio and started, the uh, the songs, the demos of the songs, uh, there were like 34 songs, and I played drums on all of them. And man, some of these songs were great, but then they got lost in translation in the studio. You know, all this loop stuff and this stuff and that stuff. But as a professional, I take direction from a producer and I did what I was told to do. And some of the stuff I I wasn't happy about, but some of the stuff it came off. But if you really listen to just the songs, there's a lot of great songs on there. Klaus wrote some great ones, all of them. A lot of good ones. Yeah. But You know, it's, yes. Not every album can be, you know, love it for String.
2: Yeah, I think the the one the one track I really like on that is, um, and I think the solo on it's incredible is Yellow Butterfly. Oh
0: my God! Yeah, exactly. That is a beautiful killer song, man. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of good ones. You know, I got to go back and look at the titles on that.
2: Yeah, there's some. I think. When the, To Be Number One came out as a single, I think that was kind of like, oh, um, God. Oh my God. You, know?
0: I, I, you know, one of, one of the angles from, from, I hate to say it, from the producer and the record label was like, you guys need to show your sense of humor. And I'm like, oh, mm, uh. you know, I'm just <laughs> sitting back. I'm just sitting there watching the whole thing go down, like, going, since uh, when does the rock, when do they have to show their sense of humor? Because the guys are really funny. Everybody in the band, we have a great time and lots of laughs. But, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're a hard rock band, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you took a lot of heat for that record.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, you know, so did Aerosmith when they put out Done With Mirrors. Jeez. Yep.
2: Yep. Absolutely, like,
1: yeah. So, of course, you guys, are, like you said, pretty early in on rehearsals and stuff, but do you know roughly how many tracks you think you're going to play off the new one?
0: You know, uh, I can definitely maybe say, like, four. Because mm. this is going to be a, a longer set. We're organizing things. I mean, right now, we're just... Uh, we're just like playing through some of the new songs and then we're going back and we're rebuilding and redesigning all the old songs, yeah. not, not redesigning them. Much. We're just going back and relearning them because the thing is, over years, you play these songs hundreds of times and they change a little bit here and there. And we, you don't notice they're changing. Then we go back and listen to the original version and we're like, going, I don't remember that. <laughs> How, what? We don't play it like that. You know and uh just today we had Steam Rock fever on the producers oh. were going through that and <laughs> you know just, just listening through just all the old stuff and all the it's just an endless job here
2: yeah is it going to be one of these shows like where some of the shows you might have really come on again or herman come up or is it just going to be you guys
0: you know what uh I, I couldn't say either way but yeah i'm sure at some point you know somewhere around the world but as of now we're just focusing on getting us five to get our ass in gear. We have all new production, all new lighting, <laughs> That these massive brand new back, whatever they're called, screens that shows the stuff, you know, new drumsticks. <laughs> 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 no, for real, it's like a, a total redesign of everything. So wow. we're, we're getting super excited, but it's a lot of work.
1: Wow, yeah. 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 I know when I was listening and, you know, listening through the scratch and I was thinking about what you guys would do live and I thought, wow, that's a song that would be great to take that song like right into the zoo. It's kind of that same timing. Yeah. It's got that overall vibe. Mm-hmm. And I thought you guys would blow some minds. That new song, and you went right into, you know, blended it right in. Maybe like, because the solo is that kind of that guitar yeah. sound is really similar to the zoo as well. I thought, wow, that would be a great kind of a uh, mix to do.
0: And you know, it's funny, like uh, like you said, you know, like these songs that originally were outtakes, like that song didn't exist before. Mm. You know, uh, Rudolph was screwing around with a riff, and then the producer goes, hey man, play that riff again. And then all of a sudden, then, uh, Klaus just started scatting, and, and next thing you know, it became a song.
2: Yeah. That's it's awesome. like crazy
0: how these things happen, you know? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. How, how often, James, would some of these tracks be brought up as you go into make a new record? Like, you know, the way sometimes a guy will bring a track in that he submitted for the last one and it got turned down and then he'd bring it in again. Was there
0: any of these tracks ever brought up before? I, you know what? I, I, out of all of these tracks, like we redid uh, uh, Rock and Roll Band and um, what's the other? Dancing in the Moonlight. Well, Dancing in the Moonlight didn't go on the album, but I'm in a and Rock and Roll Band. That was actually from MTV Unplugged. And... But some of the songs, I mean, a couple of riffs here and there I've heard over the years. Yeah. But, but I wouldn't say one particular song. But here's an example. Still Loving You. Okay, we know that song. It's a signature Scorpion song. Great song. Rudolph presented that song for like seven years. Wow. Before it <laughs> made it onto an album. And he kept pushing it and kept pushing it. And finally it got on an album. So go figure.
2: Yeah. Same producer, too.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's nuts. Yeah, well, you got to figure, though, at that point, you know, they probably went, hey, wait a minute, those kind of songs work for us. Yeah, all right, yeah, let's do that one. So,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, it was an evolved, uh, evolving time then, but, you know, I've heard, uh, Rudolph told me so many great stories. I mean, I wish I could tell them all, but about, uh, you know, I go, well, where did that come from? He goes, well, where that came from. And he tells me, I was riding in the back of the bus and blah, 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 blah. And that's where this riff comes. Yeah. yeah. You've Queens right uh,
2: obviously supporting you here. Did, uh, did you have any say in who you we were going to pick as a support band?
0: You know, uh, the way that goes is we have an agent and he makes recommendations and we go, well, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And then we all say, well, what do you think of this? And I mean, we literally put the computer on and put rock bands A to Z and just go through the list because there's so many people we've played with so many people. It's hard to find, you know, new people to play with. And this came up and Rikes opened up the Jeff Tate version opened up for us a couple of times. And, you know, it was good, but this version's coming, so it seems like it's going to work.
2: Yeah, have you heard of the Todd LaTorre version at all? I have not. Okay, we saw him last year. He is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah i heard that he's live he's absolutely phenomenal he yeah. nails all the songs
0: and yeah i was doing really it.
2: great to get
1: along with too because we, we actually hung out with him for a while and talk about a you know group of guys who just they're just hanging out and enjoying each other's company just kicking back their uh so i think probably pretty good mellow tour mates for you too i don't think no drama gonna happen there so
0: well that's cool you know and that's good to hear because we're kind of like that too
1: yeah okay <laughs> no that's that is awesome so uh Anything else going on in the in the world of James Kotak? Not that you have enough going on already. Because <laughs> you're <laughs> um, always busy well, with other stuff.
0: Well, know yeah, I've been doing some interviews here and there. Um, I was trying to do an uh, Kotak acoustic album over, over the holidays, but I got really lazy and didn't. <laughs> and um, then I've just been enjoying life at home a bit because yeah. last year was kind of slow. And then. Uh, Of course, uh, you can always go to my www.jameskotak.com, that's K O T T A K, and hit me on Twitter at jkotak and uh, Facebook and all the rest of the stuff. And, you know, I love to hear from people and and, uh, it's always fun. And you can send me messages through my website and, um, you know, just doing some interviews here and there and having fun and enjoying life and. Being healthy.
1: Yeah. That's good. Yeah, Yeah. I Definitely. I got to compliment you, too, that, you know, after all the stuff that broke about Dubai and all that, that you 100% totally own that situation. And a lot of people wouldn't. They would have put out, you know, bullshit or whatever. But you were totally straight and you owned it. And I I have to compliment you on that. That Well, thank you. Awesome.
0: I really appreciate that, man. And uh, you know, because it's a, it's a thing. It was it was a, had it had that situation happened in any other country, it wouldn't have been a deal. Mm-hmm. But I was at the wrong place at the wrong time in front of the wrong flight lady or whatever those people behind the desk are, and said the wrong thing, and then she flipped out. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, I'm kind of done with it. But uh, actually, I did write a book about it. Oh, nice. nice. Every day I wrote. A, I've got about 190 pages uh, which will be like 300 in a regular book. So <laughs> I'm looking, uh, talking to some publishers and you know, the book, the book scene is all up, turned upside down. It's like the music business anymore. Mm. Nobody, nobody has any money, but, um, I'm anxious to get that out next year. I'm, I'm waiting till next year.
1: Awesome. And definitely when you're going to do that, we would love to help you promote the hell out of it.
0: Well, dude, that's bitching, man. And I really appreciate all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing you guys in uh, September, right?
2: Yeah. I just have one one final question for you, James. Sure. When you sat down behind the kit, the first show back with the Scorpions, what was the one overriding emotion you felt?
0: Uh, it, it was pretty overwhelming, to tell you the truth, because, um, well, I'd been with the guys for a few days before that because we actually had to rehearse, and then uh, we hang out, and we were, well, actually we actually got to dinner together, and we hang out. And so, we, you know, we had a lot of time to talk, and, and it it was a culmination of months because last June, July, August, I did some uh, outpatient rehab where basically like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would go like from 10 o'clock to like 1.30, you know, to an outpatient rehab and get my brain tuned up and talk to other freaks and weirdos. And that helped a lot. Then August and plus I worked with, August I flew over and met with the band and then September I came over to, to, you know, see the band again and unfortunately we buried our manager. Then October, then November and it was, we were inching up to playing and, um, you know, it was, it was great. The rehearsal went well. And then it, I, it, it was an overwhelming emotion
2: yeah.
0: and I'm thankful and grateful. These guys, you know, um, stuck with me the whole time. And, um, that says what kind of guys they are. Cause you know, nobody's perfect, man. And you make mistakes and I made a big one, man. Keep my, next time I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs>
2: Well, it, uh, James, it's great to have you back. It's great to have a new Scorpions album. And it's great that I'm finally going to get to see you guys live.
0: <laughs> Dude, I can't wait, man. And also, another thing we have, we have a movie. It's called Scorpions Forever and a Day. We it debuted it at the Berlin Film Festival here just about a month ago. And I have to tell you, it's excellent. Oh, it, originally, it started off it was the documentation of the final farewell tour in uh, the, the fair... in the Tale Farewell tour and then as the movie goes you can gradually see everybody changing and explaining what you were talking about so we hope that will come out in America as well and uh who knows, man? Everything's all seems to come together
1: here. Awesome. So, yeah, we are, we're definitely looking forward to uh, hooking up with you in September and uh, enjoying a great night of some classic Scorpions music. Dude,
0: great. Thanks for taking the time. And, uh, you know, hit
1: me
0: up anytime, man. You guys are great. Awesome. All right, James. All right, James. All right, take care. Bye, right, man. Get, get back to right. rehearsal. Okay. Damn you it. Too. All right. I'm going. Bye. <laughs> man. Bye. And
1: rockable and forever. All right, there we go. Words of wisdom from the one and only Mr. James Kotak. Always great to have him on. And hopefully, when he does the book, he comes back on. Hopefully, yeah, he does the book.
2: Yeah, hopefully he does the book. it would be, it'd be an interesting read because... Is that Randy Blythe thing out yet? I know this is not nowhere near as serious the, as the... The documentary is out. Isn't he doing a book as well? Um, I don't I, know. I think he's doing a book. Okay. I think um, so, you know, it'd be an interesting to read James, what happened to him last year because, uh, yeah, it got a lot of traction. Yeah. Blabbermouths and everything else. And Yeah, um, but I think he'd just
1: be interesting in general. I mean, look how many... Look how many guests that we've had on, producer guests, mm. that reference him. I mean, the guy's had a pretty awesome career. Yeah, he has. You know? Yeah, so yeah. I think it's a it's a really, uh, I think going to be a really good read if he gets yeah, that one out.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, great guy to talk to. Yeah. You know, all, one, one of the things I love is it, about doing the show, it's always great when the guy remembers who you are. Yeah. Because I, I hit him up for something else never having spoken to the guy it was nothing to do with an album he was doing right like that and he came on and straight away we had we got on great with him He was laughing and joking yeah and and everything and then it it was like six months down the line now and i hit him up to come on about the scorpions album remembers who i am oh yeah great to hear back from you and everything and i'm like you think how many he's a musician in a huge band yeah, and how many different people have gone through his life since right. talking to us for half an hour? And he remembers who I am, and oh, I'll make sure it happens. You tell me the time, and, and yeah. I'll call you. And I'm like, well, you know, this is what makes this doing the show work well because I, I've, I have albums from this guy since 1988. Yeah, right. I never thought I'd talk to the guy, let alone him remember who I am. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what makes doing the show great for me. Yeah, and it's—I'll tell you—it's
1: pretty good. I mean, the show is, has been growing. Uh, you know, we've taken it from um, having it on on uh, Pure Rock Radio. Mm-hmm. You know, always always been on iTunes, but Pure Rock Radio has pretty much carried us since day one. Yep. Um, but since then, now you know we've we've moved on and we're on you know on Audio Graffiti over in the UK and the Metal World Radio here in the US has picked us up, and then just recently um, we've had Platinum Rock Radio in the UK has has picked us up they just launched so we're one of their debut shows as well so it's uh it's been great and and you know for the last couple it's been them contacting us saying hey we would like to carry you guys yeah so that's been you know that's been really nice to just see that slowly growing and people having interest across the world and you know having internet stations want to carry us as well so that's been pretty cool
2: it's always nice if someone hits you up because then you know they're listening Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not just me and you staring at four walls talking to ourselves.
1: Well, and speaking of listening, too, I'll I'll tell you, you obviously, we put out that first episode of of, uh,
2: Little
1: Little Mountain. And, you know, the mind blown instant was that we put that out. And in less than 24 hours, I got an email from the final owners of Little Mountain saying, hey, we heard the show. And we, we would like to come on and talk about the, the final chapter. So to have somebody totally off the cuff like that. And when we've had that happen a couple times, I mean, the first time was when Kip hit you up and was like, Hey, I yeah. heard what Bo had to say. I mm-hmm. want to come on the show.
2: And that was a lengthy email from Kip too. Yeah.
1: But you know, you got to figure that these guys that were the last owners of little mountain, they've got to be in their sixties, maybe mm. like, how the hell did they, like in t- less than 24 hours,
2: they heard it. All I know is that when you sent me the text to say you posted the show, I do what I always do. Yeah. I get on the email. Um, I send all the all the people who are on the show. Well, I, yeah. I sent it to all the, all the, to all the people who worked in the studio. I didn't send it to any of the musicians. So yeah. When their show comes on, I might do that. If they want to share it, that's yeah. fine. If they don't, they don't. But um, I sent it to all the guys who are on the show. Um, that worked in the studio. And I'm thinking that one of those guys might have sent it huh, maybe. to the owners. Yeah, maybe. Um, and if they didn't, I'm trying to figure out how in the hell did they yeah. find out about it? Yeah. Um, maybe they were told ages ago and they didn't, because we waited till it was over, that they've known that we were doing this for a while. And um, I, I don't know. You tweeted out that we were doing Little Mountain week or two weeks ago that we we're going to yeah. start it yeah maybe they found out that way i I, Could be. Yeah. I i don't know but it's when something like that happens it it's fantastic like we're definitely going to schedule it it's, yeah it's a yeah. no-brainer so um, after you saying nope we're done we're, we're done, done. <laughs> no nope. no but this not this one has nothing to do with me <laughs> we were done yeah uh,
1: but this is i mean we, we we really have to do this no
2: you know? we are doing it we're yeah. not gonna we're not gonna get guys who own the studio of, to, you know, until now or whatever, do yeah. you want to come on, and then we're just going to go no. Yeah, no,
1: I think it's, I think I think it'd be great to, to, and also you know, we also do like to get everybody's story, right? Yeah, I mean, that was the thing, right? I mean, Bo had what he had to say. Mm. It was great to get Kip on and, and get the other viewpoint as well. It's exactly. it's always nice to have because right, I mean, there's a story, right? And there's 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 somewhere in the middle is kind of where it all happens. So uh, yeah, I think that's going to be cool. So, and I think, as it stands right now, I think next week we will be running the part two of Little Mountain, I think is what I tentatively have planned. Oh, well, to, that's to up put to you. Out, um, which if I do, we'll be hearing from uh, the one and only John Karabi.
2: Mm-hmm. Who I didn't get a chance to talk to. <laughs> but I'm doing Richie's interview with yeah, John. <laughs> you, you, yeah. You did send me, what did I want to ask? And yeah. I sent you, I think it was like 12 questions. Yeah. So you put on, hopefully you put on your best Irish accent and asked all, you did ask uh, all 12 of them. but That would be disrespectful. No, I would do that. Plus yeah. I wouldn't be able to, they'd be like,
1: what the hell is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. could carry the English one off like pretty much for an entire day if I had to, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could, I could do the Irish one.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny, but like, you know, we're trying to, every time we'll sit, we sit, I'll come down here, we'll sit down. So what are you thinking of doing? And you know, it will get hit up by someone else yeah. and then, you know, that'll be on the back burner. Like, sometimes I feel like we should just tell people who we have and, you know, which one do you want to hear <laughs> first? Because, can I name one? Sure. Yeah, like we've Adrian Vandenberg, Yeah. right? Yeah. And we haven't aired that yet. Right. And we spoke to him for like 50 minutes yeah. and it was brilliant. Yeah. And it's just trying to fi- fit out, figure out where to put it because we've Little Mountain. And then, like we had the Red Beach one that was done before Christmas, yeah, right. And now, like we've bat- we've James Kotak hitting us up. The album's just out. We've Jimmy DeGrasso. The album was just out. Yeah. So you kind of have to put them ahead of everyone else, right. and it's just a juggling act. Right. But and if I
1: put if I had put in Vanderberg in the last couple of weeks, White Snake would have been it would have oh. been White
2: Snake for like overkill. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. I was thinking because we would have had Dog. We would have had Reb. Yeah. We would have had martin pop off this is like six degrees of white yeah and then we running. would have had agent vandenberg right. yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> i was like, uh, i actually crossed my mind that day i was thinking oh god and then what happens if i get hit up will you talk to someone in white snake about the purple album <laughs> yeah exactly
1: even with all that we still get some great guests um even as we're recording this one uh probably in another well, 15 minutes we got somebody else calling yep you and, do and uh another actually he's this is a second timer for this this guest as well
2: yeah and the funny thing is if we called we would have spoken to three to four band members and since their album came out in november <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so it's uh it's a busy time here
1: at uh focus on metal uh we appreciate the hell out of everybody listening both people that listen to us on itunes and off of our website and on internet radio and wherever else we happen to I keep finding out we're popping up in other places as well that I've gotten no involvement with the distribution of us through those channels, but uh, they're popping up there. But people are listening, and it's pretty cool, and, and we're growing, and hopefully we're continuing to bring everybody what they want to hear. I hope so. I hope so. All right, so that is it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, James Kotak interview as much as we enjoyed doing it. Go out and get that new Scorpions album and uh, see about driving that further up in the charts everywhere. So uh, until next week, this is Scott and Richie saying have yourselves a good metal week. And remember, focus on metal. Everything
0: else is insignificant. Uh.